Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for turning on our podcast. We appreciate you and your listenership. Uh, Please go subscribe to this podcast and share it with people. That would be great. We would love that. And it helps get the word out. We have an amazing show for you today. We have a special guest with us, Stephanie Lewis. Uh, She is a parent of an autistic child. And so make sure you take notes, grab a pencil and paper, do what you can to remember some of this stuff and put it into practice. Also, I got to give you a heads up. Some of the audio is not as good as I would like it to be. We took a couple mics, we threw them on a table and we went for it. So bear with us and enjoy. One man, one woman, battling the forces of evil. We're sitting here with Stephanie Lewis. You'd be amazed if she drew us. Don't give Jack no explosives, but he might compose an opus. This is... Ascribe and declare. Nice. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't help but notice your guys' dish network dish out in the yard. You're not supposed (laughs) to notice that. It's like, you know, a dish, a satellite dish, usually round, and it is completely bent in half. Yes. Well, we had an incident. Uh, there was a windstorm, and it took our, our really cheap swimming pool. Well, it wasn't really cheap, but it was like we got it on clearance, and we were proud to have it. And it just blew the whole thing across the yard and ripped it in the bottom and then was stuck on the dish. And we couldn't get it off because it was super heavy, and it was just kind of this eyesore for a good couple months yeah, while we tried to get us the courage to remove it <laughs> it still is like an eyesore because your dish is like bent in half yeah but well I, I only notice these things you know being a satellite technician going to people's houses so sorry it's at the bottom <laughs> of the list right now it's just way down there right so it's not exactly you it might still be there in a decade yeah I hate to I, say that, but... I believe you. That's how they are, you know, sitting on a roof. I've got one on there from, like, 20 years ago. People are like, oh, you have direct TV? No, Mm-mm. I don't. Nope. <laughs> it's just a junky thing sitting on the top of my roof. What could we do Probably with them? Leak. Could we hang, like, some, you know, chimes from it or... Well, I've thought of a bunch of things, too, or, like, tried to think of things because, you know, I get old ones and I have oh. to throw them away, you know? And I'm like, what am I... What? I feel like there should be something I could do with all these dishes. But anyway, there's not. People come up with lame ideas, but, you know. Like know. a bird bath? Half. Turn yeah, it. exactly. This, yeah, a bird yeah. bath. You that have could to seal up some holes. If you yeah. had lots of them, you could put them all together and make, like, this beautiful, like, strawberry growing thing. Ooh. See? That could yeah. be good. Or, like, a cascading garden or one of those little Ooh. fairy gardens. And you could have little stairs between them. Good idea. Do you want Matt to start collecting them for you? Like a fountain. Yes. No, I was all thinking Matt should get into it. <laughs> I would like to see him. Oh. <laughs> a fountain. Yeah. Like a stress Dish fountain that fountain. is just more stressful to look at than an actual <laughs> fountain because it's made out of dishes oh that's awesome yep that's stephanie lewis we've got her with us on the podcast today we're gonna she's i guess what co-hosting do you call it co-hosting if you already have a co-host i'm a guest (laughs) guest guest Guest. yeah Yeah. it's she's our special guest (laughs) (laughs) um we brought her on today because we're gonna be talking about disabilities special needs autism in the church. How can we be better at helping those people? How can we glorify God as a congregation? How can we glorify God as just regular Christians um, knowing somebody? And so this 
is going to, we might have interruptions here. We are doing it right in the kitchen at Stephanie's house. Her husband, Josh, is here sitting at the table. It's like one of those, you know, picnic style tables with the bench. It's like a farmhouse with guitars on the wall, pianos on the wall, random things Wait, pianos growing. on the wall? Wait, I mean, up. okay, pianos against the wall. You're right. It's like an upright piano. You're right. It's totally not on the wall. Wood burning stove, <laughs> loft. It's it's awesome. It's the city meets country. It's it's Josh's San Francisco dreams. Yeah, meets Stephanie's urban meets back. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Backwoods hick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Glamorous hick. barns. No chickens. Okay, tell us. Start by telling us a little bit about your life. Just to just start describing general? your life. Yeah. Um, it is uh, full, very full. Uh, so I homeschool my three kids. I have Caleb, who's 10, Jack, who's 8, and Lou, who is 6. I'm married to Josh for 18, yeah. almost 18 years. We were wow. babies when we got married. We wow. had no clue all of the trials that life would throw at us. And it's good that we don't uh, tell young people anything when they're about to get married. <laughs> yeah, that's true. that is severe danger to tell them that. So we uh, recently, I've always wanted to live on a farm, but it was always outside of what we could afford. And we finally found this house, which fit us perfect, beyond perfect. You know, mm-hmm. I think it is gorgeous. I told Matt I want to live here. You do? <laughs> you yeah, should. I, do. I don't know where he'd put you. You'd have to like live in the cupboard under the stairs or okay, something. That but, works. <laughs> but I always wanted like a smaller house because I hate to clean. Mm-hmm. And But it was just we never could afford it. And I think about when God... Um, promises the Israelites that they're going to move into uh, a place that they did not build, that Mm. they did not have to labor over, and it was just going to be completely prepared for them. And I feel like this was just, at a hard time in life, a total gift, because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they had dropped the price so much and we could afford to live here. So we have, yeah, we have 11.3 acres. Part of it is currently a cornfield. And then we have a barn full of uh, five goats. I don't know how many rabbits we have now because we have a number of litters. 20 or something. Yeah, I think it's like 20 somewhere. And then we have about 150 chickens. And so we have an egg business. 150 chickens. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to tour the barn. Yeah, there are different phases. I I mean, you're our egg supplier. Yes. You know, but I had no idea you had that many. Well, it's hard to be an egg supplier because the chickens, they take about six months to be able to um, lay eggs for people. And so I've had such a high demand that I've had, I have a wait list of people who want eggs. And so I have to think, you know, more than six months into the future of what I want to be able to provide. Who knew? Yeah, so we, um, my son Caleb shows chickens, and he used his money from the fair to um, buy an incubator, and so he hatches my eggs for me, and then he takes care of all the babies, and he he actually does a ton of work with the chickens, loves them. That's awesome. So we have three breeds, Brahm, light Brahmas and black Jersey Giants and white Leghorns, and then we're doing a couple of crosses as well, so we will... Um, Butcher meat birds for people in mid-July and eggs for everybody. Wow. And goat milk starting in May because I have babies due. 
I can't have any babies anymore, oh so I just live vicariously through the goat. And if Miranda, you're invited to be an on-call midwife if you're interested. <laughs> awesome. So <laughs> sounds yeah. like you have like a very calling. busy life. <laughs> and at one point, weren't you even like grinding your own flour? I still do. You. Um. So my dad and I <laughs> in are, your spare time. Yeah, my dad and I are business partners, and I have been working for about a year and a half to try to come up with a recipe for wheat. A lot of people um, are gluten. Sensitive. There's the gluten intolerant, and then there who just can't have it at all. Mm-hmm. And then there's the gluten sensitive, where they just you know they get a rash, or they feel a little itchy, or they feel you know there's they have symptoms, but they're not like sending them to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And so I've been looking at the digestibility of wheat, and one of the main things that people can't digest is the outer hull. Is this too much? <laughs> no. Which is why um, the outer hull, it, that's why a bird can eat the wheat seed and then like go to the bathroom later and then the seed will still grow because it can survive like stomachs sure. and wow. stuff, stuff like that. And so what I've been doing is removing it with a kefir soak and then sprouting it. And then as soon as it sprouts, I dry it and then I grind it into flour. And so my mom and I, we're ready to continue. Oh, and I just recently like two weeks ago found a local wheat source that's organic and wow. you know can provide me with regular wheat which is the other challenge is finding a regular source and so my mom and I were actually looking for a five pound bag that we want to keep it in because we currently only have a one pound bag and I think buying flour by the pound is lame so once <laughs> there we you find have a it. bag for we're ready to go <laughs> <laughs> wow oh, that's awesome. and how about your family tell us a little bit about your family my family like besides the Okay. No, everything. Uh, okay. I mean, not everything. Yes. No, not everything. Literally we everything. It was a dark and stormy night. And, no. <laughs> From the day you were born. <laughs> um, uh, mainly uh, your yeah. family's, uh, you know, yeah. life situation. Just, uh, okay, my life situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so Josh and I uh, have been, like I said, we've been married for a long time. We met in college, and we were instantly, like, best friends. Couldn't separate us, just. You know, we just had, Josh wanted like a spunky, crazy girl, which I already had ready to go. And (laughs) I was a new Christian. And so uh, I had lots of questions about the Bible and Josh would sit next to me patiently and answer questions and help me uh, understand scripture. And then when he couldn't answer, I would call his parents and they would help me. I used to call your parents at like random times with random scripture questions and they would just pray with me and answer it right away. And I just, I wanted to be a part of this family so I kept him and uh, (laughs) he he I always say our relationship is based on a lie because (laughs) he was a music major and I was an uh, art education major and theater major so I thought that I was just gonna like be his roadie in the summer when I wasn't teaching and follow him across the country and then after it was very clear that we were gonna stay together he switched to computer science and he sits at a computer and writes code. And so I am not a roadie, and I'm not traveling ever. And <laughs> yeah. it's totally a bait and switch. So um, They do yeah. that. Yeah, that's similar to us. I I've mean, Miranda married a guy in a band, thought you know, she, that I'd be touring and playing guitar in my couch quietly every evening, yes. serenading her. Yes. yes, it's a dream. This was supposed to happen. And now it's just yeah. you know preparing for worship. So I'm just like playing quick, playing half of a song and then changing the key. And <laughs> no. we might need to start a group, Miranda. We might. There, there's just, probably others out there that yeah. have fallen for this. 
strategy they have. <laughs> they shit you with the guitar. We should warn young women. Start like a coalition yeah. of warning yes. young women. He only picked that guitar up to get you, and then he's going to put it down. <laughs> and sit on a computer and do things that are apparently important. <laughs> so after Josh and I were married, we moved to California, and Josh was a web developer for Apple, and I was an art teacher at a great school in Cupertino, and my favorite thing about it was the whole world came to us. Like There mm. were people from all around the world, and it was awesome. And then we had our first son, and I was actually planning on putting him in daycare and going back to work. Uh, but he had like a lot of problems. He had like ear problems constantly, screamed in pain constantly, and he was only happy if he was like vertical in that little mom pouch thing. Right. And so I quit my job just so that I could keep him vertical in the pouch wow. and like deal with all of his problems. And so he he lost his hearing multiple times, has had to have a couple of ear surgeries and stuff like that. And there's still ramifications from that that we deal with. So mm. he was just always a mad baby but now he is the com- family comedian always studying mm-hmm. comedy so yeah. and he's how old now 10 that's 10. Caleb mm-hmm. and then we so we moved back to Minnesota because no one can afford to live in Silicon Valley on one income and also I had no idea what I was doing and I wanted my mommy yeah I just heard like the median house that in order to not not low house but like the average house in order to just afford to live there mm-hmm. you had to have an income of over 300,000. Yeah. Yeah, we couldn't afford anything there. No. Actually, be- my father-in-law just sent me an article about this person who has a job as a chicken whisperer and is helping people like <laughs> oh have chickens in their backyard and with their problems and everything and he's like you should be a chicken whisperer. She charges 225 an hour. And wow. I was like I was like 225 an hour. That girl is still living with two people at least in like uh, someone's like section of their house in like, wow. you know, right. like yeah. that wow. is not, not a living wage. <laughs> That's not a living wage. <laughs> well, it's not. You like, can work here at Aldi and <laughs> make 18 bucks an hour. And I'm like, oh, they make 18 bucks an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, plus they're freelance. So it's not like they're working 40 hours a week. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So we came back, and we lived with my parents, and then we bought our house, and then we had Jack, and he is my eight-year-old, and he is my son that has autism and sensory processing disorder and some other ADD and a bunch of, I don't know. He's got a list. Lots of acronyms. Yeah. And so with him, he didn't start to show symptoms of uh, having anything different until he was about two. Okay. Like, he had a regular growth development and everything. And then we didn't get him officially diagnosed until he was four. Mm. Um, Jack is, like, intelligence-wise, way beyond his years. And he will challenge the best of us straight into the ground yeah. with all of his questions and theories. He recently yeah. came to me and said, did you know that the wood frog, its heart stops in the winter, like, unlike other amphibians that go into hibernation this particular one its heart stops and so he says i'm working on a theory that we can restart the hearts of dead humans (laughs) and so we started like making this kind of venn diagram about the similarities and differences between people and frogs and this is just like a normal Normal thing for him yeah and so yeah uh, that's him 
but he loves science, loves to draw, and he loves being a farmer. So, mm-hmm. um, and then my youngest is Lou, and Lou is everybody's friend, like best friend within like five minutes. Mm-hmm. She like gets numbers for me at the library of other moms that would probably make excellent <laughs> friends. She's yeah, she's all about pink and friendship and princesses yeah. and like just. Her, so, her emotional social IQ is off the charts, which is so good because my other boys need to be around someone like mm-hmm. that. God's so, grace. Yeah, God's grace. And Lou was also the one, the child where I was like, oh, I'm doing this parenting thing really well because before I kind of blamed anything hard on myself and my parenting. But um, then I started realizing like, oh, God made them all different and it's not me that my children are individual human beings with their Mm -hmm. own yeah you know things to deal with and that it's not all on me as the mom of if I'm good or not yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so and then all of our animals in the house with you today is uh Muffy the rabbit the Flemish giant he's a house bunny he's a house bunny absolutely huge he's bigger than a cat he is he's huge and he's so comforting and I don't know why but everyone in my family is happier because of Muffy Scarlet. That's true. Well, we have not seen Scarlet. Scarlet's bigger. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, we've used rabbits as like a um, a therapy for Jack to mm-hmm. because he was always like climbing on everything and almost killing himself with death-defying acts. And so we used rabbits to slowly teach him to be calm because rabbits only like to be around calm people. So that was part of his therapy, and now it's blossomed into this showing rabbits and <laughs> rabbits in the house and rabbits everywhere and oh look a turkey in the backyard there it is oh, wow, he's so really close there's oh, like three the, more no, in the distance no there's like a lot out in the distance on yeah. this side yeah bella's gonna run over here yeah, and freak really out big. i hope there's not a death during this sounds like thanksgiving you thanksgiving dinner if we get out there fast enough we could have turkey yeah will the dogs go out there and attack them run after them? uh finnick won't care dead? but bella okay so bella's a livestock guardian dog and her job is to protect all of the animals that are here and um, does she know that's her job she does okay. she's very serious <laughs> we hired you for this so make sure you very do that. serious about it and uh uh, yeah, like a butterfly came into our yard last year, oh and she was freaking out so much that I thought there was like a coyote or a bear <laughs> or something, and I like ran out there with my giant stick ready to perform battle, and it was just her so angry wow. that this butterfly would not regard her barks. And oh my, she's serious. She's amazing. Yeah, Great Pyrenees for the win. Again, if anybody so that, was that, wondering about this, there all there are multiple kids running around at all times right now, <laughs> with the rabbits running around. So this is the life, yeah, and that, one that's fine. I, you know, in the house. Just oh, one. just one in the house. In the house. Oh, yeah, in the house. Okay. Yeah. The other nineteen. We have Rory the, the cat in the house, okay, and we had cat, Finnick the collie in the house. But that's all. Awesome. Well, let's get into the meat of some of the stuff we're talking about. I've got a clip here just to give a little background of, I don't know, what autism is. But autism is not a single condition. It's actually a spectrum of disorders. A spectrum that ranges, for instance, from Justin, a 13-year-old boy who's not verbal, who can't speak, who communicates by using an iPad to touch pictures to communicate his thoughts and his concerns. A little boy who, when he gets upset, will start rocking, 
And eventually, when he's disturbed enough, will bang his head to the point that he can actually cut it open and require stitches. That same diagnosis of autism, though, also applies to Gabriel, another 13-year-old boy who has quite a different set of challenges. He's actually quite remarkably gifted in mathematics. He can multiply three numbers by three numbers in his head with ease. Yet when it comes to trying to have a conversation, he has great difficulty. He doesn't make eye contact. He has difficulty starting a conversation. Feels awkward, and when he gets nervous, he actually shuts down. Yet both of these boys have the same diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. Yeah. So you have no experience with that at all, do no, you? No, none. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I I do take issue with her using the word disorder. Um, I. I think that all of us are human beings, mm-hmm. and to say to somebody you have a disorder, or in the same way we'll say like somebody is like behind in reading for their age, or their exactly. you know, anytime we put that label on someone, you know, could we have said that same thing in a way that respects the fact that you're a human being made in the image with God, with a purpose in this life? Yeah. Could we phrase all of those things in a way that honors that human life instead of saying, "Hey, there's something wrong with you." Right, yeah. And I think especially when there's somebody who's different from the norm, um, it's not that there's something wrong with them because they have something to offer all of the rest of us that we need, mm-hmm. whether or not we can understand it or see it. But, you know, they're a part of the community and a part of our um, sanctification and a part of um, how we minister to others and a part of all of all of life. And so I think it's just demeaning to use negative words when we don't have to to describe a human soul. Wow. It's, so. That's awesome. I yeah. had a clip that I pulled earlier. <laughs> Miranda, that's like, we're probably not even going to use your clip. Because Dr. David Paulson, Paulison, Paulison, I don't know how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, he pretty much says that. I mean, he's yeah. a, a psych, you know, and, he, and he, you know, his, his premise was, we're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And to and, look down on that or to feel like it's anything less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. And that they are part of our sanctification. They humble us. Yep. Um, I mean, they should humble us, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it reveals our, our pride and our impatience. Mm-hmm. Yes. How, you know, like, if a kid, you know, says something in church or makes some noise. Right. Do we all turn around and make some dirty look? Oh, look at that kid making a noise. Right. I'm trying to worship God. I'm trying to be holy and righteous right now. Mm -hmm. And that kid doesn't have, shouldn't be worshiping God in here with us. No. No. (laughs) Somebody please remove that kid to the nursery. Well, and I have, I have stories about that with uh, Jack. He was, he was a headbanger and he would beat his head against the floor and even if it was concrete. And so I would have to pick him up and hold him like fully flexed, full muscle to keep him from hurting himself through an entire church service, just because I wanted to be there and I wanted to be a part of the church community. And that meant Jack was there too. And it's for him Uh, too, to see the grownups, the adults worshiping God Um, and being part of the community, mm-hmm. we've gone so far from that that I, I just think of like, you know, the I always am taken back to New Testament times. You know, they're all gathered. They're listening to Paul preach or whatever. And and then and, and if a, you know, a person there with special needs or, you know, a lame person came into the church or, a, you know, a drunk, they would be, you know, sharing the gospel, accepting this mm-hmm. person, loving this person. 
And then, because that's what Jesus did. Right. And then we have turned church into such a show. Right. That we can't have that because it's a distraction. Right. And it's just sickening. Well, and we, at our current church, which is very... I think accepting at allowing kids with different people with special needs to just join a part of the body, which is part of why the many reasons why we stay there. We eventually found with Jack to keep him from headbanging is that if he stood on his head, he could have that pressure against his head without the banging and without me having to hold him. And so he would sit upside down on the seat with his head on the floor and like new people would come in oh, wow. and I was like right by the door and I'd always be like hey stop because <laughs> they'd look at him and Welcome I'd just give him the smile like whatever <laughs> yeah. wow. and so that's what worked for him but at our old church they had put a, a room like a cry room or something like that where you were supposed to bring your child if yeah. they were having a problem and it was hard because I would go in that room and I couldn't you know, you couldn't hear really well, or it was dark, or it was, you know, I just felt, it, it felt a lot to me like, you guys need to go over there. And yep. I think they were doing it to try to be helpful, but to me, it felt like you yeah. guys need to go over there. They're doing and, it to be helpful <clears throat> to other people. Right. But then, but not to the then my child was too loud to even be in the cry room, mm. you know, and so then I would end up in the lobby. And then, so I used to get up, get my whole family ready, go all the way to church just so that I could walk in the lobby with my special yeah. needs kid. And I didn't, I wasn't a part of the church. I couldn't worship because there was, there was, I was in the lobby. Yeah like reading pamphlets, waiting right. for everybody else. So then my husband would take notes and then we would stop at Dairy Queen afterwards and he would like re-preach the sermon to me. Oh, man. <laughs> but, but so I was getting some feeding, but I was really just put over there and I felt like an outcast and there were other people who had children yeah. with special needs and we were all out there. We all met each other. That was good. I guess we built our own community, but I prefer our current situation where we're all together in the same room and we just you know embrace embrace the differences right i have this clip here no question that every day is a little bit tougher for kids like 12 year old jackson helms including easter sunday easter sunday we got all dressed up and got the family ready to go um, which is no small feat with the kiddo like him. Jackson has a form of cerebral palsy, and right after the opening prayer inside Elevation Sanctuary, Mom Kelly says he voiced his own kind of amen, something like this. We were very abruptly escorted out. Kelly says a church volunteer took her and Jackson to an overflow area to wait out the rest of the service. I don't think I have ever felt like that before in my whole life. That was not a good feeling. But she says she saw an opportunity emailing the pastor with an offer to start a ministry for special needs children. And was rejected. That was not something they were going to consider at the time. When we went to Elevation, employees told me the church focuses on worship, not ministries. And in a statement, a spokeswoman said, it is our goal at Elevation to offer a distraction-free environment for all our guests. We look forward to resolving any misunderstanding that has occurred. Wow. Yeah. Worship. <laughs> oh, we don't do ministry. And oh, I don't even know how to say anything about that clip. There's so much. I, I actually had chills by how angry it made me mm -hmm. that... You know, a, a church where we're called to be the light in the world and we're called to be ministers and we're called to show the love of Jesus, to take the 
disabled or the special needs that Jesus would have treasured and, yeah. you know, or the children and said, come to me and all mm-hmm. of these and to say, go over there. It's yeah, it's exactly what I was it just talking about. It is. No, it is sickening. I was reading some of the comments and, you know, most people, I just found that, you know, and most people were appalled that that would take place. But there was a couple people that defended it saying, oh, yeah, well, we're trying to worship God. It's an oxymoron. You aren't worshiping God. God has called us to care for the lowly and to love people. And it's like you said, it's not even that they're lowly. It's that they're different. God made us all in the image of God. So we're in, we're in his image. And now you're saying, you know what? Those people, we're not going to, we don't really want to minister to them. They, we just want to worship and sing. And that's really what they're saying. We just yeah. want to sing. We want to have a really good rock show right. with really good music and good lighting. And if that's not going to be happening, then we don't want to do this. Do you know what this reminds me of? Hey, Josh, come over here. I actually, this reminds me of something that Josh has dealt with or, yeah, bring in the, bring in the man. Um, so Josh used to work on a uh, piece of technology that was used to help the church pray for each other. And what did you find to your dismay was the reaction of so many, you know, when people started requesting prayer, what, what were the dismaying responses you got? We would occasionally hear um, people would let us know that, um, their church had been receiving requests for help. Someone would post something on on the site that would say, hey, and this is a person at their church that's in their local church, would say, hey, I I need some help with whatever it might be. Can somebody help me uh, rake my yard because I'm not, you know, physically well and I, I need help with this. And occasionally we'd find someone that would respond and complain to us saying, I'm getting these emails from people who need help and I don't know who they are. I don't know who this is. Why am I receiving this? And it was just amazing and so sad to us that, you know, this is a person in your church who needs help, and the fact that you don't know them yet is irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant because you, as a member of the church, as an attendee of the church, are in ministry. Yeah. And it's your job because it's your faith. We're in community yep. together. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you don't you you don't get to say I don't know them. I don't have to help them. Yeah. Um, and please, you know, silence them so I don't have to hear this. Really, what what they were saying was I don't yeah. want to be aware. Can you turn these notifications off, yeah. please? <laughs> I don't want to be aware of the needs <laughs> that are in my church. Oh. Was literally what we were hearing. I believe it. And it wasn't it wasn't all the time, but we heard it on a semi regular basis. So yeah, it was it was uh, it was sad. I think there was also, and I, this is kind of, I guess it's not directly about special needs, but it really yeah, is about anything. the disease of the church that affects how we approach anybody who has needs or is different. They also had issues where um, people were submitting prayer requests, and people would get tired of like, oh, these people need prayer all the time, like their life is terrible, and you know maybe if they had just made better decisions, but I don't want to hear about their needs. And then the, some of the pastors even responded about how frustrated they were. Like, they didn't realize how diseased their church was. Mm-hmm. They would come and say, we had no idea that all of this stuff was happening. And some of them opted out because they didn't want to know. And it's like, okay, your ministry in your church 
and between people and from the pastor to the people, it's start, finally starting to reveal the actual sin mm-hmm. and the darkness in our hearts. And your mm-hmm. job is to hold one another up, pray for one another, mm-hmm. and for the those in leadership, it's to shepherd us. We are yeah. sheep that are hurting, and you need to come and step up and shepherd us with this new knowledge. But there really is this, like, you know, plug in the ears and saying, la, 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 or, you know, saying to the special needs person, go over there. Yeah. And it's really just a complete ignorance of what is happening to human beings. And it's... Yep. They're not living in reality. No. They, they want to shield themselves. And, and you guys live in tons of reality because, you know, I think of it like the Matrix in this beautiful <laughs> facade. I call it, you know... <laughs> The Pinterest world where all you see is this perfection, you know, like your chicken comes almost pre-cooked in a plastic wrapper. You know, you guys are butchering oh, chicken. I thought, so you, see I thought you were saying we were living in a Pinterest world. We personally are? No. Oh, I'm talking about I was the like, world. <gasps> no. I said you guys are living in absolute reality. Yes. You're butchering chickens. Yep. You're, you're getting blood on your hands yes. because that is the real world. Yes. The real world, chicken comes from an actual chicken. Yes. But I, but there's a lot of people and the church has this problem mm-hmm. where they don't live in the real world. They live yes. in the Pinterest world where everything is perfect. Right. Everything is a show. You know, the speaker stops speaking and there's there's no dead time because right. the worship team is queued up and ready to go. Yep. No, there's no mic feedbacks. There's no batteries, yep. which today, just in our worship service, the batteries went dead on the preacher's mic. Right. Because we live in the real world right. where batteries go dead. <laughs> we don't pretend that there's no microphone up there. You know, right. that's why I love Africa because everything is nitty gritty, real. Right. And, you know, women have babies on the sides of the roads and then get carried to the hospital yeah, in I a don't donkey like cart. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, that not, not cool. I'm not in agreement. Yes. Well. <laughs> Spoken from a man, I know. Right? But, but that's the real world. That's the real world. Right. right? And, and we try to ignore that. And a part of this real world is disabilities yeah. and people who have real problems, real needs, real struggles. And you guys come to church week after week. And, you know, my eyes have been opened so much just in researching for this podcast mm-hmm. is just how tiring and exhausting life itself is. And then to come to church and, to, you know, yep. do all of this stuff on top of it. Is it's amazing, you know, and then and then you'd go through all that work. You're so tired, you know. You go through all this. You get to church, and then to have somebody be like, um, "Ma'am, can you bring that child to the lobby? We're trying to worship God." Right. It's can insane. It's not Christian. That's not Christianity. I don't even know what I would do in that church because I'm kind of a sassy, rebellious spirit. <laughs> no. I would not. I don't know. But do you know what? I can't even say that actually, because I had a situation. I've had lots of situations like at grocery stores or places mm. like that where people will tell me that I'm a terrible mom or I'm not. Because uh, uh, my son used to go, he had like a nervous tick because he's really stressed out in social situations. Or he'd be pounding on his head with his hand or trying to bang his head on the cart or stuff like that. And I've had people tell me, like, I shouldn't mm. be in the store. I'm a terrible mother. Why don't I discipline my child? Just all of that kind of thing. Mm. And Josh brought up an interesting point that that never happened when he was around, ever. It was usually, actually completely, like, um, older women, usually, right. which frustrated me to no end because we really need to support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I once had this situation in Costco where my son, who would only wear cowboy boots on the wrong feet with no socks... 
and which is actually really common with autistic kids. I learned upon meeting other moms is like all our kids have cowboy boots on the wrong feet with no <laughs> socks. Wow. And we were like, what? Um, anyway, his shoe broke in half while we were going down the, the aisle and he freaked out. And so I had to carry him on my back, and then I had my baby on the front, and then I had my four-year-old trying to get him to not run up and down the aisle. But, you know, you have to understand, like, what all of you mamas will understand me. We made it to Costco, and we got halfway through, right. and we are finishing, we are finishing this. this. Oh, yes. It's this like, is going to happen. Yes. I don't care if I have to drag you people screaming through the rest of the store, Been and there. everyone can give yeah. me all the dirty looks because I'm not coming back. Right. This is right. not, we're right. not going to retry this. Yes. <laughs> and there's always the people who are like, oh, you need to abandon your cart and go and teach your children and everything. And I'm like, no, this is we're a We're not five, abandoning this cart. This is a $500 cart, and These I have done groceries. like. I've done like six weeks worth of cardio just to get fill the cart. Like this is everything. And we only have two more rows left. We're gonna make it. <laughs> We're gonna do it. And so when we got to the checkout counter, the person who was filling the cart put all of our winter coats on the bottom and filled $500 of groceries and things on top of it. And oh, I didn't no. discover it until we were at the door. And there's like, it's like a blizzard outside. And, you know, this is freezing Minnesota. And so I just looked at my kids and I was like, you know what? We're just gonna go for it. Like our car is about thirty feet away, we can totally make yeah. it, and then you'll be thirty, feet. and then you'll be warm and whatever. So my son is still on my back with no shoes, and oh. he's like he's like hitting his head against the back of my head in order to get that head stimulation he always needed, and so we just start going, and this woman next to me goes, "Look at you." You are what is wrong with the world today. Oh, like oh, me. Minnesota. <laughs> and Come on. I know. And she's like, no shoes and no coats and no, like just uh, this vitriol just dripping from her lips. Oh, and man. But I heard my husband in the back of my head saying, you need to stand up for yourself. You can't let people talk this way about you anymore. And so oh. I, in the running through the blizzard, I shouted, ma'am. We, I said, you should be encouraging mothers who are going through hard times. I might have even said, you don't know me. I hope I did. <laughs> you don't, you know, don't me. know me. <laughs> but I said, us women, we need to be supporting each other and caring for each other and not tearing each other down. And she just went, oh, and went to her car. And I turned around, and there was a woman standing there. And she said, can I help you unload your groceries? And oh, I, I literally was crying yeah. as I was putting my kids in the car. And yeah. she was helping. And now if we take that as a metaphor about the church, you know, how can we love each other? Exactly. How can, with, with Christ's love, how can we comfort each other with the comfort we have received? And a lot of us haven't received comfort because we're new in the area of suffering. But we still need to strive. We need to try. Go to that person and say, I don't know how to comfort mm-hmm. someone in your situation. Right. How can I? Yeah. Teach me. It's about learning. Let me learn. But you have to be humble mm-hmm. to go to that person and say, I don't know. Yep. Um, and do you know what? God was actually really kind to us in the way he brought about our challenges because I was a teacher and, mm-hmm. uh, and our school um, was a magnet school for kids with autism. So I actually had a lot of training of dealing uh, with well, I, should, I don't like to say dealing with, oh my goodness, Stephanie, mm-hmm. um, of just having students in my class with autism all along the spectrum. And I really had a love for them. And we, um, we actually, Josh and I had four miscarriages before we had kids. And so I just thought I was unable to bring a child to term. And we were planning on adopting. And we had said that we would adopt. We wanted a wow. sibling group. And we were willing to adopt a child with autism. Mm-hmm. And so 
like so he you had already, a unique situation. He had already brought that about in our hearts <laughs> yeah. that we were willing. Now, did yeah. we really cool. know what we were what saying? What you were signing right. up for, right? right? You know, we all want to step out in faith for the Lord, and then we realize, wow, I really stepped out in more faith than I, <laughs> I had. But yeah. so I think the, God was kind in preparing us. But yeah. he's, but still, right? Josh wasn't prepared. <laughs> Josh, Josh wasn't, was a computer Josh was like, programmer. No, he's shaking his head. Right? No, uh-uh. he actually had not the had, dusty guitar. I know he. Does. He actually didn't have like any childcare experience at all, and I remember asking the nurse to please teach my husband how to change a diaper. Please teach my husband how to comfort this crying baby because I was really wow. sick, and uh, so I relied on him a lot. But he had no idea what he was doing, oh, and wow. so I guess God prepared us in different ways, but. When we received the autism diagnosis, even though we both, I think, knew what was coming, Josh was just kind of like, okay, well, we have answers and let's move forward. And I, like, I was in despair for, like, at least a week or two that it just, like, even though I knew that that was what the diagnosis was going to be, it was really clear to me. But just hearing someone say that, getting a report that's, like, 10 pages long, listing all of your child's needs and starting to tell you how you need to help that child was just so overwhelming yeah well I think like as a mom anytime you come up with some of those things and just in life I think there's that grieving of that loss of how you imagined it but it was gonna be so awesome and smooth yeah right yeah autism isn't like something they can genetically test it doesn't have like a blood test it doesn't it's it's really just a set of symptoms and if you have this set of symptoms we will diagnose you with autism and then within there there's this spectrum so the truth is is that you and I we're on that spectrum Mm-hmm. As well, we're just sure. down in the area that they define as normal, you know, mm-hmm. and so, which is in its own right kind of hilarious how we define normal as whatever most people are. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting to know that what none of us are is actually what's supposed to be normal? But <laughs> anyway, um, my son in particular, very smart, and so, uh, but he also had no fear, he wasn't afraid of danger. Mm-hmm. And so I would be somewhere and somebody would say, oh, my goodness, a two-year-old's on top of that house. It's like a two-story house. And then I turn and look, and he scaled the drain pipe. Oh. First of all, that is an athletic feat. Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, a two-year-old on the house, you know. And so and we, there was one time we were at a, a park, and they had a three-story slide as, like, their main feature. And he climbed the outside of the slide because he thought maybe there was a separate entrance where he could avoid being around other children. And so I just, this woman, I just handed her my phone. I'm like, call 911 if we fall. And I just throw my shoes off and scale this thing because I have to help my son. Or he would um, panic at home because something just went wrong. I don't even know. And he would run away. And where we used to live, like where we live now, it's it's 11.3 acres of giant open field. So if he takes off, there he is. <laughs> where at our old house, it would be, we had a lake across the street, we had a swamp behind us, and we had one of the busiest streets like in the town. Yeah. And so I learned... That's scary for normal people, let alone... Yes, well, and I learned to be friends with all the neighbors. If he would take off, I would run to all the neighbors and bang on their houses and bang on their ho- their doors. Just he ran away again, he ran away again, and they would run out of their houses and okay, I'm going to go this way and I'm going to go that way and then cool. you know, and th- there was like an awareness that was built. Um, but I think that for that 
for me to describe scenarios like that, I became kind of nutty in myself is because I would hear a door click and my heart would race and I would feel like I was going to throw up and I had to, no matter what I was doing, it usually happened when I was trying to take a shower or something, yeah. and, but I had to figure out, okay, what's happening and I need to deal with it immediately before I lose sight or before he climbs a thing or before he, you know. Mm-hmm. One of the things he had was uh, he loved the garbage truck and he thought he could like stop it with his mind uh-huh. and so he would always run out in the street whenever there was a garbage truck uh-huh. but at our on our street there was a curve that the garbage truck would come come around and I I saw his death played out in my mind from that stupid garbage truck forever and so even now I hear a garbage truck and I just lose it Mm -hmm. so we ended up getting um we I looked into like um support dogs for him because those kinds of symptoms like not having a sense of danger running away that kind of stuff you can train the dog to look out for the child and also to tell me what's going on or where he Mm -hmm. is but it was like fifty thousand dollars to get a dog and get this it was a 10-year waiting list right and we needed help now so we got our collie he'll be be 20 (laughs) yes exactly thank you if he makes it that far yeah which is genuinely how we think yeah and so I got this collie, and I trained him uh, to help me with things. I just I used a book called um, like Inter- Autism Interventions with like Support Dogs or something mm-hmm. like that. I can give you the title, the actual title. I'm butchering it, but um, I just trained him to keep him off the road. Like he would literally turn his body and push my son off the road. Or there were times where my son ran off into the woods or into the swamp which is terrifying, and the dog would come and bark at me, and I would say, where is he? And the dog would just bring me to him. Amazing. And so now I was way less stressed because the dog was really a genuinely good assistant. So That's super cool. um, But I I say all of this so that you start to understand what an autism parent is going through. Yeah. Like, we are always on edge, and I actually was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder Mm -hmm. because of all that we went through, and because I still, like, I can't sleep at night because he's going to go. He's going to run. He's going to, you know, something's going to happen. We have an article linked in this that is actually says, like, moms of an autistic or special Mm -hmm. needs, actually, it's specifically Mm -hmm. autism, but uh, moms of autistic children have the same stress levels of a Mm -hmm. combat soldier. Yep. I be- yeah, I believe it. You're on high alert. But I would go to like the church nursery to put him in there so that I could go to church. And I would say, my son has autism and there are specific things you have to look out for. And they would very frequently be like, oh, no, I know how to take care of children. Yeah. Or my nephew's friend has autism, mm-hmm. so I get it. And yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, you just need to listen to me. Yeah. Everything needs to be locked. Everything <laughs> needs to be like can we just put this ch- this leash on, on him you? like yeah. like I'm checking their windows and I'm checking there because I've seen him escape. I've seen, you know. Yeah. And I just never go to someone and say, "Oh, I know. I get it." And it's because each child is different and they have different needs and you need if you're going to care for that child in a way that that parent can relax enough to actually go mm-hmm. and worship, mm-hmm. you need to understand what that child's specific needs yeah. are. So take the time to listen to the mom. Right. And, or whoever's dropping that child off. The right. The and I, I always have meant to like write a list that I could just hand mm-hmm. to people, but yeah. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, pin it to his back. <laughs> Here, there's yeah. a list on his back. Yeah, that's what people do with allergies all the time now, you know. No, I mean, lots of my kids have allergies, so it's like no dairy, no, you know, gluten, no whatever yep. and 
I mean, the world is just becoming more and more aware of this kind of stuff. Right. We weren't aware of this, you know, no. 10 years ago. I, I mean, you were, but like most people in the church, right. like I went to our church nine years ago and I don't know that there was any children. Yeah, probably like not. No. With anything there. Mm-mm. Now we've got several children with right. autism. We have other special needs in the church. And so all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we got to. We have to learn how to be a church. We have yep. to learn how to be community with these people. Right. We learn how to not be jerks. And the challenge, I think, for our church is right now, all of our kids with special needs are young. Yeah. And what's good, they're going to start to go through adolescence, which causes alarming changes. So our a youth group that I worked with before we had a, ch- a child with autism and Tourette's that, wow, and so you're doing like combination, right? So think of, it, it happens together a lot. They were actually, we're going to diagnose Jack with it because, but then he stopped once we were able to teach him some sensory skills. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're closely linked. Anyway, this child, imagine like all of the cheesy junior high, high school things that happen. You know, we're playing like how many marshmallows can you shove in your mouth? And we're playing, we made a game called chair ball. Was that what it was called? (laughs) Chair Chair bomb. Okay. Which I was so competitive at that I actually broke my thumb once. Like we, this is like all out. I definitely picture you competitive. (laughs) (laughs) But this is like all out like youth. Uh, ministry. Yeah. And then you take these kids who really struggle with social cues and who struggle with uh, making friends, who struggle with um, using visual language or that kind of thing, and then you put them in this situation where now we're shoving marshmallows in their mouth or something. Right. And uh, this particular boy would shout regularly or he would freak out because something was not fair. And, you know, and we just. <laughs> Luckily, our youth pastor was amazing, and we just kept him. He was in the fold. We all loved him, and he just we just knew he was going to do it. And we just, you know, helped worked with his mom. But he sometimes he would be sitting there shouting <laughs> random things like in the middle of an activity, and we just let him go. Yeah, because the worst thing we could do was shut him out. Yeah. And so a lot of the autistic behaviors, once children start going through adolescence and having feelings they haven't had before and hormones and all of that stuff, they're going to have a resurgence of their uh, symptoms. And that is enough to make most people want us to go put them in like a a bomb shelter under the ground only to bring them out much, much later, if at all. So we're going to face, I think we're going to face that, that challenge. Wow. This is a lot to take in but it's really good to hear i mean this the whole point of this is hopefully just to raise awareness and help people to think about this rightly to have more grace and patience when they see families come in with children that aren't sitting in the pew with their hands folded Mm -hmm. and their bible open in their lap um and to have more grace and, and not just judge people right away but to like you said walk over to them how can i help you guys how can i pray for you guys and and not just pray, but like when you say something, mm-hmm. well, you know, we could really use our, our lawn raked. Right. Well, then actually go rake their lawn. Right. You know, like Josh was saying, like when you ask for that, then be ready to respond. I actually have started because a lot of us, we're not ready to help others. And so I've started trying for us to put time in our week where that is meant to help others. And so during mm. that time, that's when I'll make a meal or we'll go and help someone or like being 
saying, you know, for this two-hour block every week, I am going to bless someone in the church. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It might just be as simple as writing a letter to encourage somebody if that's, like, the only thing that you can think of because you're not aware of other needs. Mm -hmm. But we need to think about, like, serving and loving each other is a part of what we do, is a part of our ministry. And if you don't put time in your schedule to do it, it's not going to happen. And it's going to be half-hearted, and you're not going to follow follow through. And so you know, do that, make that space. Mm-hmm. That's right. Hey, why don't you start by telling everyone your name? Um, I am Jack Edward Lewis and I'm eight. You're eight? Uh-huh, I'm eight. That's awesome. Uh, who is this next to you? My brother, Caleb. Caleb? How old are you? Ten. Ten? That's nice. Yeah. Jack, are you, Jack, do you have autism? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is? And um, you... uh, well, um, I found some iron. Well, no, no, uh, well, want... no let him talk. I don't know what it is, but it looks like iron or okay. steel. And I think it's because of my autism. I also found citrine, and I own rabbits. And you own rabbits. Do you think that your autism helped you find those things? Yes. And also, sometimes there's something that Lou and Caleb both do, but I'm not doing it. It's the exact... What's an example? Like, what were they doing? Hmm. Once Lou and Caleb were playing Legos, Mm -hmm. and I was sitting on the floor in Dad's room under his desk because the heater was on. (laughs) One time after church, I don't know if you'll remember this, but one time after church... Your parents were talking extra long, and you came up to me and said, normally my family talks for 18 minutes after church, exactly, and then we leave. So today we're being really late. Do you remember that? Um, no. (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, okay, you're usually here exactly 18 minutes, and then you left. Hey, Jack, what are are some ways that um, autism helps you? Like... Hmm, probably chess. Ooh, you like playing chess? I mm-hmm. love chess. I beat my dad today. Tick, 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 Just now. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> what does it mean to have autism? Do you know? Um, it means that you're, sometimes you're really smart. You're mm-hmm. smarter than other people. Like, I also know how the wood frog hibernates. So it freezes to death and revives. Death it freezes. And in the summer... It doesn't freeze to death because it's it, die. Okay. it starts melting, and the frog does, and everything else, of course. And the frog, um, it has an electric shock that puts it into life. So mm-hmm. technically... You know that you have a little bit of electricity in you? Yeah. The frog gets a little bit of electricity when it warms up. Wow. Hmm, that's and then it's alive. What's your favorite thing to do? Probably play video games. Mm-hmm. What games? Stardew Valley is my va- favorite. I like Minecraft. So you probably have a lot of things that are like other boys your age, huh? Because mm-hmm. I bet lots of kids like to do that. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jack, can you tell us what happened when you started getting emotions? So, I just um, randomly start crying, I think. 
Mm -hmm. How long have you had emotions? Like, I think, like, once we were driving in the car near a gas station, and then they just suddenly happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I still have a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. You still have a tiny bit? Mm -hmm. Do you think you usually feel your emotions, like, do they feel little or do they feel big? Sometimes. Sometimes both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes both. Yeah. So he about a year about a year ago um, started experiencing emotions, and he kept asking us, "What's what's happening? Why? What is coming out of my eyes? Why yeah. is this happening to me? Like, am I sick or am I?" Yep. I and just felt like there was nothing in the whole world that was fun. <laughs> so Mary Elizabeth works with him on like processing emotions and how they work and when you know when we have them what to do with them and things like that and um, one time Jack he we went to see her and he walked up to her and said I don't need to see you anymore You've, I've been cured of emotions like I don't have them <laughs> would that be great <laughs> and no. she was just like oh no <laughs> yeah I've been cured um here's a joke okay why did the chef have terrible internet? I don't know. Ooh, why? Because they didn't have a good server. Ooh. <laughs> hey, Jack, what does it feel like when you look people in the eye? Um, it feels the exact same when I look at a wall. What? When I look someone in the eye, it's, I feel exactly the same as I look when I look at a wall or some... Whenever I look out at, I feel exactly the same. The only thing that you could put in front of me that would make change my feelings would be like something silly or something scary. Okay. Something to kind of shock you a little bit. Uh -huh, but if it's just something normal, like that picture over there of the of a guy of crossing the Delaware River. I feel like I'm just looking at a normal thing because I saw that like 122 times. Yeah. Like only things that 2011. are new, like surprised. And you can't get like re-surprised. Mm -hmm. <laughs> of what? course not. You can't get re-surprised. You're done. You can't yep. be. Hey, one surprise. It only happened once. <laughs> what happens if you go into a room that has lots of people? Um... I play with people. You play with people? Mm -hmm. What did you used to do? Um, tell people things that were crazy. Like once I found out I was dreaming when there was a huge scorpion on the ceiling uh -huh. in the garage. And he was, his tail was hanging on a board. And I knew I was dreaming. I tried to, I thought of a unicorn and to and because I wanted to have a unicorn but accidentally I turned the scorpion on the ceiling into a balloon unicorn mm. Mm. I, I hate when that happens <laughs> uh Jack what do you think of church church yeah um I think of church as sitting in a chair for two hours what do you think of the people at our church um they're like when... fun to play with and I and I like to tell them jokes. Mm -hmm. And Mostly. we love hearing the jokes. Can you can you tell us about um, what you think of Jesus and being a Christian? I th I think of Jesus 
um, strong and he created the heavens and the earth like everybody everybody who knows Jesus knows he created the heavens and the earth the first thing you learn about Jesus is that Jesus exists and when you learn that Jesus exists you learn he created the heavens and the earth mm-hmm. one minute I'm going Do to you... ta- take care of the grizz Do you trust in Jesus? Yes. What does that mean? I think that it means that he, that I know that he exists, right? Or that I would trust him, or that I would trust him to ask me to do anything. Like, if he told me to jump in a molten lava volcano that was about to erupt in two minutes um that's what i'd do i'd jump in the volcano like that, that was about to erupt in two minutes there. and that is going to lead us to the quote of the day there is no circumstance no trouble no testing that can never touch me until first of all It has gone past God, and past Christ, right through to me. If it has come that far, it has come with a great purpose. Alan Redpath. I just think this is so valuable because it's saying like, yeah, we go through these trials, yeah, we go through these tough things, and we go through suffering, but all of it has gone past the will of God, past the sovereign Christ, And then it's to us. (laughs) So if all things are working for our good, for the believer's good, who those who love him, then it's come with purpose. So we can trust it. Yeah. I love that. Which I think on some levels is probably hard to accept. You know, it's easier to think these things have come from the devil outside of God and his allowing it. Mm -hmm. I think you're always keeping in perspective that we have a God that loves us. We, there is the Satan as a prowling lion out there and we live in a still broken and fallen world. Mm -hmm. And when you put you, I mean, you have to take all of those things, hold them together because otherwise the suffering becomes unbearable or you're wondering why God's not being there for you or you wonder and, and sanctification, uh, the purposes of sanctification as well. Um, that makes me think about, um, when we were dealing with a lot of issues, our elder, uh, who is a leader of our small group, he told us that we needed to suffer well. And I, I said, I don't understand what that means. And he said, as a Christian, you need to learn how to suffer well. And I was like, no one's ever told me that before. They've always told me to like be positive or mm-hmm. stay optimistic or God never gives you more than you can handle, which is not in the Bible. God never gives you more than you can handle. Right. He or, says you'll never be tempted more than you can bear. Right. You can get out of any temptation to sin. But you're right. He's not. There's nothing about suffering. I mean, people went to the stake. And it's like, it's like, no, I, I can't bear this, which is why I need to rely fully on Christ, exactly. which yeah. and He is then glorified. And yeah. you know, there is. Or people would tell me like, God, God's gonna cl- if He closes a door, He's gonna open a window. Or just right? terrible things that people think is in Scripture, but is not. And so yeah. I, I initially had to learn to like counter lies that people told me and so I you know we had to really brush up on what the bible actually 
said about so many things. Um, but anyway, our elder told us to suffer well, and so we started contemplating, well, what does it mean to suffer well? That's not something most of us contemplate. We contemplate, how can I get out of the suffering? Mm-hmm. And that's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to suffer well. And uh, our elder went so far as to say, if you don't suffer with the church openly, you are robbing us of our ability to come alongside you and for us to grow and answer the call that Jesus has for us as well. And he was like, so don't rob us of that. And I guess I had never thought of that. I thought of it as if I'm suffering, I need to go in my own corner and I need to just suffer quietly because mm-hmm. we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and we don't bother other people in Minnesota. Yeah. Like we don't, right. you know, you yeah. had to suffer alone. And he was saying, no, you need to, you have to open up. And it, and it felt like as somebody who had a history of being so accomplished, it felt like, well, now I just need to make everyone aware of all my brokenness and then allow them to help me, which is at least for me, extremely painful. And Mm -hmm. it was even a way to highlight even more like my suffering felt greater at first. And like, you know, but that, but eventually God starts to bring about change in the people in the church and change in your heart. And then you start to recognize, Oh, I'm not doing this alone. Oh, God does love me. Oh, I am being sanctified. I'm seeing it in front of me. And oh, God is sanctifying them too. And now these people are your family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's this, I, I hesitate to call it magic, but there's this magic that happens when you open up your suffering and allow others to come alongside you. Um, and isn't that neat when you have, you know, some of those cliches you said that people tell us, you know, because people don't have good theology. Right. They don't have yeah. a good, solid foundation right. for suffering. Yep. And so you have to throw a cliche at it and say it until you're in that and you say, no, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't feel right. It's not true. Yeah. Yep. And it doesn't hold up and until you have that right theology mm-hmm. that feels counterintuitive to mm-hmm. not be alone and to, yeah, draw on the strengths of the church. Right. Yeah. I'm walking through that with my friend, <laughs> and it it's hard because he doesn't want to share things, especially we're guys. I mean, we don't want to be like, yeah, this is how I'm suffering, and you know, up, man, it's yeah, good. Yeah, that's all we want to do. Is, no, punch me on the shoulder. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> you know, right. so to like you know express our emotions, say our stories, and say the things that are hurting us. There's true healing in that. Mm-hmm. There's true battle. That's how you have to fight the battle in community with your friends and with other Christians. That's how God has designed us. And when we keep that to ourselves, then it just it burns inside of us. It festers inside of us. We're not able to release it. We're not able to be healed of it. And it just sits there. And I think that's, you know, we always quote the verse, like when two or more are gathered, that God is there in the midst. Mm -hmm. And this might not be the typical application we have, but Mm -hmm. it is. It's the body of Christ in our Mm -hmm. midst when we're together, working together and sharing, bearing one another's burdens. Yeah. I just have to say this quote because it made the second, it's too long, so it didn't make quote of the day. But (laughs) There are requirements. (laughs) There's requirements for that. Okay, this is high quality stuff here. We have time limits to keep people. 
Uh, this it's a is, podcast. You can just go as long as you want, I thought. <laughs> Which is apparently what we're doing now. <laughs> it used to be like 15 minutes, then it was a half an hour, then I did a 45-minuter. Everyone was like, whoa, I can't believe you went 45 minutes. Now it was like an hour, and now we just did a two-hour one last week. Wait, knows, did you no do the 45-minute by yourself? I did it by myself. That's yep. hardcore. It was, yeah. And there was crying involved. They're like, you need friends. <laughs> <laughs> the microphone is Anyway, this, uh, this quote is really good. John Newton. Some Christians are called to endure a disproportionate amount of suffering. Such Christians are a spectacle of grace to the church, like flaming bushes unconsumed, and caused us to ask, like Moses, why is this bush not burned up? The strength and stability of these believers can be explained only by the miracle of God's sustaining grace. The God who sustains Christians in unceasing pain is the same God with the same grace who sustains me in my smaller sufferings. We marvel at God's persevering grace and grow in our confidence in him as he governs our lives. John Newton. I just love that because it's like, look at that person suffering. And like you said, when they're suffering well, wow, what a fantastic display of the gospel that is. Yeah, Christ did far more than any of this for us. No pressure. Right, no pressure at all. <laughs> no I pressure know. to not Everyone be in your up. church is watching to see how yeah. you're suffering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do it well. Do, Do it, it well. well. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you're kicked out. You have to go to the lobby. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's encouraging when you see that. Like, I know the Saris, who hopefully will get them on the podcast as well. They went through an incredible amount of suffering. Mm-hmm. And to watch them suffer so well and to go to God every, every minute of every turn and to go to the scripture and to pray unceasingly. It was phenomenal. And to have attitudes of God's grace, like God is in this, God is in this. And we could all watch that and be, and and we all got to participate. We all got to pray for them and hold them up as they went through it. And, you know, what we need they, to do is look They chose to at open that. up to the church. Exactly. Yeah. And be real with their needs and everything. So the church was able to come in. And I think, I, I didn't mean to derail you. No, but, yeah. But I think we also need to think about the Christians in our midst, in our church, that aren't suffering well. Mm-hmm. And how can we suffer for them? Mm-hmm. How can we come alongside and suffer for them? Um, yeah, bear one another's burdens. Um, we have a woman in our church, and she's older and single and very generally very quiet. And when I was going through some challenges, she sent me this very terse email, in love. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she said, I noticed that you're holding, you're trying to hold it together, you're trying to keep your life organized, you're trying to do it all on your own. And she said, but there are other people here, and you have to pull us in, or mm-hmm. I'm just going to show up at your house and start doing mm-hmm. things. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, but I would rather do what is most helpful to you. Yeah. So you need to tell me. And it was just like, I've never been chewed out by a lady in church before. <laughs> you know, she and, and she was, you know, good for her. I'm so thankful that we have... This is one of the things I love about our church is that, like, our small groups that we have, they're not organized by age. Like, hey, yeah. we're going to put all these people who are fumbling 20-year-olds together to get advice from each other. That's right. smart. And we're going to put all of these fumbling <laughs> new parents together to try to get advice from each other because they they know so much to tell each other. Right. But that we have older people that are willing to come along and say, hey, you're, you're walking the wrong direction, mm-hmm. and I'm here for you. I have walked in that direction. Yeah. Come. 
you know, stop being so full of yourself and, and open up. So when I wasn't suffering well, it was like a call to suffer well. Yeah, that's great. I think, too, that one of the... There's a quote in an article that I have. Uh, it'll be in the show notes from the Gospel Coalition. A quote that I really liked from it says, if what you think you have is greater than what you think you deserve, then that's where thankfulness comes from. If what you think you deserve is greater than what you think you have, then that's where bitterness comes from. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's really good because they talk about in there too how parents of special needs kids will tell you that that they have the normal temptations that any of us as parents have, Mm -hmm. but it's just more heightened and more intensified. And I could see there being a struggle there as a parent thinking, well, I don't deserve this, or I deserve just a normal happy life or something to be easy and growing bitter. Mm -hmm. But like I've been really encouraged hearing you say, you know, you're constantly looking for those things where those benefits, those things Jack adds that, you know, other kids don't have. And yeah, I just think that's really neat. Yeah, we're excited. God has something for each of us. And I look at Jack with the same like excitement to see what God has for him as I do with all of my other children. So yes, he does have great things to offer. I think that's maybe a, a truth that God had already like firmly established in me was that, you know, we're all human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all have a purpose. We all just that value for life, <clears throat> all life. That yes, a very and I, I think that was very firm in me and I'm you know, that was something uh if you have Nick and Alicia on too, like um when they were struggling was their deep belief in life and God's purpose for all life is mm-hmm. what, you know, kept them going even when they didn't have answers. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, that really should be a bedrock for believing Christians that Absolutely. we, there, there's certain things that are foundational to our beliefs. And if I believe that some lives are more important than others, then I'm losing the fact that God is the creator of all life, that even mm-hmm. non-Christians are image bearers. Yeah. And, you know, and that means that we have a certain respect for all life and we have a certain way of treating everybody because they're image bearers. So let's talk about, let's turn this over a little bit. Let's talk about ways that people can help families with disabilities. I've got a couple links in the show notes, but we're just going to talk about them quickly. Uh, Number one, pretty simple. Acknowledge and sympathize. Just acknowledge that it's easy, like you said, it's easier for just my family to go to McDonald's or wherever. Mm-hmm. And for you, drive through, can, don't yeah, go in. <laughs> it can be a circus, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, just acknowledge it and sympathize. And then it'll already go a long way to having grace and patience when you see that family, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, I would say, I'd say even before that, I mean, I guess it's a part of the acknowledge part is. Make yourself aware of mm-hmm. what families have disabilities. Right. I mean, there's a lot of times where I look around our church and I'm like, well, I did this today. I Actually, was thinking, maybe don't always just come out and ask because it's like no. asking a woman who's not pregnant if right. she's pregnant. Yeah. Whatever. I actually thought of that because I was looking <laughs> around our church and I was going, I, want, I was trying to count how many families had a special needs child. And I came up with five. And one that I didn't know about. And I thought about that exact thing. Wow, well, do I ask that person? I thought, no, I'll ask other people that know, you know, <laughs> that person. Hopefully, have you noticed anything about this kid or, you know, right. um, because not in a bad way, but so that you can help them, so that you can be more patient and aware. 
Well, we, when we first started coming to Grace, we actually, our pastor's wife came up to me after we'd been attending for a little while, and she's like, so how long have you known Jack has autism? And I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, did I say that out loud? And she's like, she's like, oh, sorry, I thought, I thought you knew. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was just like, oh, I'm the pastor's wife. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, and then our <laughs> yeah, and then our elder, well, you really, you our really elder, no, we didn't know. Oh, and well, we knew he was weird, but like, right. I mean, to say it candidly, but well, and then our elder was like, was like, so are you? Have you done anything to get like help for your special needs kid? And we were like, what? <laughs> oh. So it was, but in I. That would probably make a lot of people mad, but like we had a feeling in our gut and we had the, it's so hard to know because, you know, maybe they're just, you know, slow to develop. You know how kids, they don't develop like in a perfect incline. Like some kid might just be a straight line and then they shoot up and just suddenly mature a significant amount in a short amount of time that we all kind of have our own rate. And so you're just, and then ours was, Jack was extremely verbal. And so he had a lot to say, and he, you know, he seemed mostly functional. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe I just, maybe he liked to hit his head, and I, I don't know. And so we didn't, we didn't fully embrace it, mm-hmm. I think. Sure. And so I think a lot of people would be offended if somebody came up and said that. Um, but our pastor's wife has a daughter who has autism. Is it, she has deafness she and autism, right? Yeah. She has something. I don't know the definite. Yeah, I don't know the diagnosis. I don't know if it's specifically diagnosed, but it's. I, I think she is on the spectrum. Anyway, well, like that. you said, we're all on the spectrum, so right. you're right. No, I know, but <laughs> she's she's going through a lot of the same therapies as my son, at least. Yeah, we'll have to confirm and that. So, Walk up to her. So, how long have you known? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but it was for me. They were just kind of confirming my gut, and then another friend talked to me about it as well. And I said, you know what? I, I feel like there's something different with my son, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. I don't know anything about it. And they actually said, do you want to talk about it? And so the three of us sat down and had a meeting. Like, mm. you know, they, they, uh, Lauren literally had a piece of paper and was writing out my concerns. What are your concerns? I'm going to write them for you. You just talk. Wow. And they, you know, and so I just shared my story and, and she would take like my rambling of this tired, frustrated mother, and she put it into, like, goals and, mm-hmm. like, specific things we needed to get checked out. And then uh, Jerry, like, researched stuff. Both of them sent me phone numbers and place, you know, information. Wow. And so I just followed it, and then they would, both of them would check up with me regularly. Mm-hmm. How's it going? Did you call so-and-so? Do you need me to watch your kids so you can watch, you know, call so-and-so? You know, sure. just trying. I've never had anybody come around me that beautifully, mm-hmm. especially as a new member of a church. Like we, wow. we were just, had just started going and they, they connected like that. And so I think it's be- largely because of them that we were able to start to deal with some of the things and get our son the help he needed and all of that. And so acknowledging and sympathizing like that, it was <laughs> Perfect. I mean, they were really great. But we don't all have people in our church who can come, you know, and diagnose our children immediately for us. But at the very least, like having that comfort and having that and not not saying like, oh, your child is acting that way because you're a terrible parent and you don't spank them enough, which I have gotten. I've had people 
plainly ask me, don't you spank your children? And it's just like, you have no idea what is happening at my house. Right. You don't know me. No. You don't know me. Uh, anyway. Number two, don't give dirty looks. I mean, that's that to me is like so obvious, except right. I see it all the time. It's... It's, it's not even worth dwelling on, but just if you're a Christian right. and you have a family that's going through difficult times yep. or, a, or a special needs kid. But you might not know that that's your face. You might not. Yep. <laughs> there is a term for that, resting. No, I'm just not going to say it. But anyway, <laughs> there is a term for that. Pay attention. You I don't think, be loving and grace-filled when you do things. I think as the in the same way that as the family with a special needs child, we want people to have grace unto us. We also need to have grace unto the other families that are looking to us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a million reasons why they could have a crabby look on their face. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they're... And they could just be mad and having a bad day themselves. Right. You and know? The, so, yeah, or they just look like that, things. you know, <laughs> and they are dealing with their own things because of it. No, I don't... Yep. <laughs> Um, but I have learned that when people come in and give me the face that I counteract with the old double thumbs up and the smile Uh and that usually makes them laugh. And so I try to tell them like, Hey, this is my reality. You're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Right. And then, yeah. But the other thing is that my, I was saying earlier about, are we doing names on this podcast? Is it okay? Or no? I do sometimes if it's not, uh. If it's not associated with something negative. Like, so, okay, so Lauren and Jerry. That's fine. They regularly come up to me and, and say, like, they'll pat me on the back and say, great job, Mama. Mm-hmm. Or I saw this mm-hmm. happening with your son, and he did so well. You guys are making great progress. That's awesome. Or all the time, or she'll, they'll just come up. Uh, Lauren is good at the looking me in the eye because I'm a person, and you look mm-hmm. people in the eye, and she mm-hmm. said, and she'll just say, "How are you?" Yeah. And if I don't answer don't right give away, me a fake answer. <laughs> and if I don't answer right away, she just hugs me. Yeah. And, you know, those two regularly check up on me. And then I also have my friend Krista, who's older and single, and she can tell when I'm stressed out and she just shows up at my house Mm -hmm. and just starts washing dishes or doing whatever. Now, let me say that if you had ever told me in my life that someone was going to show up at my house and do these things, (laughs) I would be like, no, because I do everything and I have it all together. But the truth of the matter is when she leaves, stuff's in order. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. You know, so... Oh, I'm, I'm like, that has nothing to do with dirty looks, I That's guess. That's okay. That's but, okay. But what yeah, I'm, what I'm saying is there's, um, and it, we have to, in, I, I'm, I hate to use the word empower, like it's not like a liberation kind of thing, but we do, we need to come alongside those parents and say, you're doing great. Mm-hmm. I smile at you regularly. Or like I've started like moms that I see in the grocery store, I give them like the, you can do it strong arm, like the, you can do it. Yeah. World War II ads, like, yeah, yeah, you're in it. And they usually mm-hmm. smile at me mm-hmm. or something like that. And, you know, because a lot of times we are operating on a negative energy and two drops of coffee and we haven't gone to the bathroom and we yeah. haven't, you know, so just any little thing matters. So I go out. Number three, mm-hmm. treat everyone in the family with respect and dignity. And I think what they're mainly pointing out is to talk to the member with the disability too, not just the caregiver and the family member. Treat everyone like they're human, and and you know that's yep. why I love interacting with your kids, yeah, and and other kids at our church because they always say awesome things. You're <laughs> guaranteed an awesome reaction every time, no matter what you ask or yep. say. Ask them a great question, a simple question, and it's it's great. See that who they really are. We actually our small group after uh, Jack was diagnosed, they asked us what they could do 
to help him. And so at the time, he he couldn't. I, he didn't look at people's faces. And this is actually interesting. He did a photo photography class, and he took pictures of people like from the chin down. <laughs> that those were his portraits. Yeah. And like it was so telling that we just sat there going, "Wow!" And he. Back then, I asked him what it was like to look someone in the eyes, and he said it was like lasers into his head. <laughs> and now so, it's the same as looking at a wall. Now it's the same as looking at a wall, or it's progress. <laughs> um, anyway, and so we were we were t- teaching him things, and so and he at the time, if you had long brown hair, you were named Jenna, which is his cousin. Mm-hmm. And if you like, he had archetypes for people, but then all of the people who fit that archetype, that did was he have what their bald name. with a beard? Was I his dad? No. Daddy. <laughs> I don't even remember what they all are. So anyway, I, get a, I, get a lot of that. I took pictures of people in our church and we hung them up and I would tell him like, you need to go and talk to Sue Ann today. And Sue Ann knew in advance that Jack was going to come and talk to her. And so we would have like a little script we were practicing for like social skills. Mm-hmm. And I would tell Sue Ann the script. And so he would walk up to her and uh, he, actually he would walk around and ask people like, are you Sue Ann? <laughs> Are you, Sue Ann? <laughs> and our trick was he couldn't get a cookie after church until, until he did it. and so he would find her and they and I would teach them like you need to get down on his level like get down on your knees and look him in the face and if he stands too close to you say oh remember to be an arm's length back <laughs> and how are you today and he had to have an answer because these were the things we had practiced and so he actually ended up building a pretty strong relationship with about ten people in our church by doing the photograph and that's really cool. and thing yeah and so love it w- that's why that's why you ask um you know or, or treating them with respect and dignity and asking what the family needs which is the next one is because there are very often very specific things yeah and i know that um jerry with her daughter she had her she's sending birthday cards to everybody in the church mm-hmm. because she's learning to write and she gets to write things. And then we've gone and told her, thank you for the birthday cards. Yeah. And, you know, and that's another way that you're, you it's know, simple social interactions yes. that we take for granted. Yes. That some of these kids, they don't have that. They right. don't know about it. They, and you have to literally teach them how to do it. Yep. I, I, this one, you know, number four, take the time to find out what the family actually needs is so important because this is, I mean, this is what any family struggles with. Right. Say with prayer, say with, you know, help around the house, whatever it is, might be. But especially like, you know, even I think of as a missionary, mm-hmm. there are certain things that a church in general wants to send a missionary. Right. Pencils, a soccer ball, you know, these really standard in a care package kind right. of deal. What if you don't need and a, a soccer ball? a lot of times ball. it's just not what they need, right. you know. Um, there was several times where I, I think it was even Twizzlers. We had, like you said, you've had the same thing that we went through, and that is our church has done a phenomenal job of mm-hmm. supporting us when we went to Africa. And one of the things w- w- that made that so successful is that people literally asked us, what right. can we send you? A phone call? Yeah. Well, now now you don't have an excuse if you don't want to pick up the no, phone. You send none. an email, send a text. You, yeah. you can be cash about yeah. it. One was just simply craft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> it yes. was like the best thing in the world. And Twizzlers <laughs> opening those care packages and being like, this isn't, we don't need pencils. Like a pencil or pots and pans. We need Twizzlers. We need 
like mental stability right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mental little touch points of home. And oh yeah. What it if was, we put a so pencil tough. in the Twizzlers? There you go. Then we could have practice. Then and we would feel good about what we were sending exactly. you, and you would feel good. It would be. It's like oh yes. It's like bad gifting. Yeah, we still yeah. got all that. But anyway, the point. You know, ask that family what they actually need. Don't mm-hmm. just go over there and you know maybe they don't need their dishes washed because they have a dishwasher. So ask them what they need. Number five, become a student. We already talked about this one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Learn, learn, learn. Why don't, why don't you go out and read something about autism? How about you know more than just the average Joe? You know, right. make yourself a student so that you can really actually care for these people. I mean, if love is really seeking out the best for somebody, then do that. Right. You know, you can't help that person. You can't really love that person if you don't have a clue what they're going through. Right. Well, and I think, you know, like I said before, we don't set time in our lives where we think about others and how we can serve them. Mm-hmm. I wish that churches did a better job either through like small groups or through inviting others to share or praying for other, you know, so that mm-hmm. we could share burdens with the whole church or so that we could have, you know, small talks on different things that our church is facing or stuff like that. Um, Cause I kind of feel like it's a lot for me to ask someone to read a book, you know? Sure. Um, but it's not, you know, there's plenty of articles on you should, thing. There's lots podcasts. of stuff to read. Yeah. 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 It's actually pretty simple. Like I'm shocked at what I've learned in a 15 minute Ted talk. Right. You know what I mean? You should watch Ted talks for all the ailments of all the people in your <laughs> church. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But what major things are your church struggling with? Right. You know what I mean? We have five families in our church with autism. Right. So to me... That one's that, a pretty clear thing. Yeah. yeah to me, that's a, t- that's a place where you, you could take a little yeah, bit yeah, out, yeah. Of the, out of your time to learn about. Whereas another ailment that you know, a random person has is, might be different. But. Right. During your time that you set aside because you care about other humans exactly. in your church. Exactly. See? Precisely. I, I just realized, too, that um, we shouldn't assume... Um, what that other family's reaction is to their ailment. Because I've had people come up to me and be like, I'm so sorry, your son has autism. And it's like, actually, we're pretty good with it right now. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think Jack kind of views it as a superpower that he has because (laughs) he's learned that there are some things he can do really well compared to the normal person. And then there's other things he struggles with and he's cool with it. And so we, as his parents have come to a point where we're cool with it too. It's like the neurodiversity movement. And so if we assume like if a person has come to terms with what, you know, it doesn't help us to be put down and feel depressed if we're feeling good. And so we need to grieve with those who are grieving and we need to have joy with those who have joy. And we need to, so we also need to understand how they feel about what's going on before we try their mourning. Hey, can I mourn with you? Right. Well, actually we just had a great day. (laughs) Yeah. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Number six, include families with disabilities into the life of the church. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, obviously that is where the rubber meets the road. Really? Right. I mean, that's hard to do, but it's good. And it's, it's not just, it's not like it's necessarily hard to physically do. It's more hard to be aware and to know. Well, I think there's some practical ways to like when our church was redesigning mm-hmm. the, the church, they sat a bunch of us down and asked us how they could serve our special needs kids with the redesign of the church. And we actually... All of us moms wanted to be in the church service. We didn't want our kids to grow up thinking they needed to be in this separate room. And we didn't want to be in a separate room either. And 
I felt glad that they listened. Like they thought yeah. about, hey, we're altering the church building. Could these people, you know, use something great? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is um, when my son would run off or he would like go into the alley or go under a table somewhere when he panicked because of the strong social situation. Um, we actually found a place in the basement underneath the stairs where the mm-hmm. kids could go when they were stressed out. And so in, instead of it being me panicking and chasing my kid around, they had their safe place where we just told them. And it's funny because um, I would go there and one of the other autistic kids would be there frequently, like both of them just sitting that's under the stairs. Idea. And I it's because, it. you know, if you have a kid that panics and runs away, this is where you panic and run away to, and that way we know where to find you. And he, like, I never had to chase and look for him in an alley or, sure. and you know, ever again because he had a, he had a safe space. That's awesome. And yeah, so. And number seven, provide <clears throat> respite. That's, I mean, who knows how that could work out? It's just an idea, but you know, like you're saying, Krista shows up and does your dishes, or mm-hmm. you know, figure out how you could babysit the other kids or right. I don't know, because you're not necessarily going to be in charge of the, <laughs> the other kid, but you right. know, talk to that family and work out. How can I make this restful for you? How right. can I help you? Well, um, one thing is a lot of times just freeing that parent up to be able to do things like, um, at my old church, there was a precept Bible study and, um, it was, uh, what was it? It was like $30 to take the class to pay for materials. And it ended up being like, $80 worth of child care for me to go. And sure. so I couldn't afford it. And I just felt like, and so then the church would kind of chastise us young moms. Like you're not taking the Bible study classes yeah. and it's just older ladies. And we're like, I can't afford to do that. And on top of that, I have a special needs kid who needs like one-on-one attention. Yeah. And so he, he couldn't even go unless they, I, I like paid somebody Additionally, And so it was like, I can't even participate because of the barriers you set up. Can we just chill and like, let the kids hang out with some older teens? Like, can we do anything to allow us to break down those barriers? So if you have people not participating, if the people with disabilities aren't participating, you have to ask why, if you don't have a ramp so they can get in the building, they're not going to participate. Another thing is uh, at our, my old church, they had one thing that was really great is we had children with more extreme special needs and we trained volunteers who would specifically work with that child. So we found someone who was willing to learn enough sign language that this child could go participate in the Sunday school class. Because as the mother, you wake up, you feed all your kids, you get them all dressed, you get them all in the car, you bring them to church, and then you have to sit with that kid in their Sunday school class because they're not functional without Mm -hmm. somebody else there. And then you have to go to church where your kid's upside down or banging his head against the floor. And so now you're like out in the lobby. And why come? Yeah. Why am I even here? And so providing respite of even if I can have 10 minutes to actually sit like a human being and pay attention to what's being said or have a conversation with someone, that matters. And so even if the respite you're providing is small, it matters. That's so good. Anything else you want to add to the list? How has Grace done a really good job to help you guys or what should some other people or churches consider doing in order to help people with special needs and their families. Wow, we kind of covered the whole... Did we? We really covered the gamut, I think. I um, I suppose in smaller ways, like um, we're working right now to, like we realize that the books that we have in our classrooms are all like blonde-haired, blue-eyed people. It's like Jesus, blonde-haired, blue-eyed. And sure. I think we need to make sure that we're... Uh, 
showing people of all abilities and all colors and all differences in the literature that we provide because it appreciates the, the rainbow and the diversity that God has made. And if we're going to have literature and things that block out entire groups of people, then we're also blocking out, you know, we're starting to send that impression that they don't matter, that they don't matter. They don't count. They're not as important or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to fill in. I would also say, um, you know, have somebody, you know, from these differing groups come in and, and speak when you can, you know, even if it's just like once every five years, just having that you know, come in and be a part of it matters because, you know, we do end up just only hearing from a certain demographic about their walk. You know, have a, have a night where you hear from different people about their walk in Christ, even if it's just sharing testimonies within the church Mm -hmm. so that we, we hear each other's stories and then can, you know, open up our hearts to empathize and love each Mm -hmm. other better. I think the more that we can know each other's stories, the more we can, suffer alongside people and help alongside. Um, And I would really encourage families who have children with special needs. I know that you didn't ask for it, but you are now an advocate. You are now somebody who needs to suffer well. So learn what suffering means. Learn how to suffer well. That's a Bible study you just got to take on because Mm -hmm. that's, that's what God has put upon you. Learn how Jesus treated people with disabilities. Read them again and again and again because your heart needs to be one with Christ or you're not going to get, you're not going to get through this. Mm -hmm. People are looking at you of how you handle this. Um, I think we also need to sometimes gently correct people. Um, you know, if if somebody says something about my son, I might say, oh, we, you know, he's neurodiverse. He's just, you know, I'm, you know, just to <laughs> yeah. gently correct, you know, uh, yeah. negative connotations or, you know, if yeah. somebody says, I'm so sorry that your son has autism, I don't need to go off on them. But I need to say, like, actually, you know, we have a lot of joy in our son and God made him yeah. exactly that way. And we are pleased that God saw us fit to care for this child. And we just yeah. pray for strength. You know, you have to kind of help just kind have kindness on others who don't understand and slowly reshape their, their mm-hmm. beliefs. And I, like I said, I know you d- didn't ask for that, but that's part of what God has put upon you. Mm-hmm. And so we have to humble ourselves before the Lord and take what he has given us with joy when you are able and, and, and move forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that that glorifies him yeah. greatly. So one thing I wanted to, kind of wrap up on and and talk about is I think that there's a I don't know how to say this really well but there's a an an impression or a stigma that we have of children with disabilities or autism that they can't function in an in a on our level in our in our world, and they don't they're not going to fulfill anything. You know, there's a lot of like okay. Oh, well, we should ab- be- we should test them and abort them is very free is our is culture's it's mentality, true. and that's a whole area that we're right. not getting into because literally, I mean, you can f- find story after story of people like that, right? And and now but that's, people that's are just suing, showing the value. Yeah. suing the doctor after the fact that they had their child because the doctor didn't warn them. Right. I mean, it's insane. It's yeah, it's, but it's bad. The, so there's that stigma, but the reality is, and I, I'm going to play this because I think it's important for people to hear. But even autistic people, guess what? They grow up to be adults, mm-hmm. and a lot of these people, 
were never even diagnosed. Yes. I mean, there are functioning autistic adults in our society right now. A lot of them didn't even find out they were autistic until right. their 50s or something. You know, And they've that's been raised an with people telling them they're dumb and they can't yeah. get it together or they're yeah. this and that and, and losing jobs. And yet jobs you and... also have this. And so this is an autistic missionary in Japan. I just want to play this as a testimony to, uh, to saying what can really happen. Hmm. Ever since I was little, the doctor said that I would not be able to speak any other language because of my diagnosis for autism. Just like the Lord can heal the blind, the Lord can have the mute speak, and the Lord can have the crippled walk, so can the Lord have a person with a disability, the person that cannot speak very much, can speak almost five languages fluently. Well, here in Japan, I work as a volunteer missionary to a Filipino-Japanese church, and um, I work not only as a translator for the pastor, I also teach English to Japanese children, and also I help the youth in their ministry. I also play a band in the church. I am the keyboard player. I mean, that right there is an example of an autistic person fulfilling his call in Christ. And that's so exciting to me. Yeah. And the all, the other thing is salvation. I mean, God can save anyone. Right. And so, like, to put these people out of the church or make them go into another room or, you know, there's probably some practical parts to that. But when you start right. treating them not as God's children, then you're missing out and you're not, you're not acting as a Christian. You're not believing that Christ can do anything, that he has the power to do anything, and that he saves and that he's sovereign. Right. I, we actually uh, homeschool, and we follow, kind of, we follow a Charlotte Mason philosophy, which really resonated with me, uh, having a special needs child. Um, and her number one most important foundational piece is children are born persons. Mm-hmm. And so you think about, like, if we think about, like, children are born citizens, then we would have, like, the public school system where we're trying to pump out people who, you know, get a job and are quiet and don't go to prison and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And yep. that's not what I want for my children. They are born persons. And when you think mm-hmm. about what that entails for how we educate a person, how a person is involved in the church, how a person is involved in the community, all of us are people. And mm-hmm. so, and I think I'm, I hinted at this before. Um, you don't tell some people, oh, you have to go over there or, oh, you're better than these other, you know. Yeah. You, you don't do that because they're image bearers. They, they yeah. are a part of the church, even if we think they can't understand because God will blow us away with what they can understand, right. what they can do. Yeah. And, and how many stories there are of people with disabilities that have gone way past what anyone ever believed. And it's because you know, through God, all things are possible and mm-hmm. he is going to accomplish his will in them despite mm-hmm. our crabbiness. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Amen. That's awesome. I really appreciate you being on the show. Miranda has been silent for most of it because she's been chasing kids around and playing babysitter so we could have this conversation. the bunny and the cat from Everly. Yeah, no kidding. Our kid is like just dragging their cat and their rabbit around everywhere. So it was chaos, but we got through it and it was really good. And I hope you guys learned some really good things and you'll go out and put them into practice. Any final words, anybody? 
Nope. All Just right. get it. Get All it, right. mamas and daddies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So until next time, ascribe God his glory and declare his marvelous works. <laughs>